Mockingbirds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 647. Anybody recognize this sweet melody? Moonlight in Vermont. And we're playing it by way of offering an official welcome to our newest Talking Birds show affiliate, North Country 1320. WCVR in beautiful Randolph, Vermont. Right in the middle of the Green Mountain State. Now carrying our show live every Sunday morning from 9.30 to 10 Eastern Time. Welcome WCVR and welcome new Talking Birds listeners in central Vermont. Well, we like to be upbeat around here at Talking Birds, and I think we are, but we try to be a little realistic at the same time, including when it comes to recognizing the many threats to the survival of birds. And three new developments are casting light on the ongoing and even increasing threats that birds face. In case we think that cats killing birds is just some kind of U.S. phenomenon, be prepared to be shocked by the following statistic from a new study in Australia. According to research led by Professor John Wojnarski of Charles Darwin University, birds in Australia are killed by cats at a rate of more than one million per day. The study was published in the journal Biological Conservation, and it estimates that feral cats, essentially free-roaming cats that have had little or no human contact, kill 316 million birds a year in Australia, while pet cats kill 61 million birds annually. Professor Wynarski says everyone knows that cats kill birds, but this study shows that at a national level, the amount of predation is staggering and is likely to be driving the ongoing decline of many species. So much for cats. How about insects? Bird populations may be declining because of a problem associated with insects, but in a very different way than the cat problem. It has to do with the fact that insects, a major part of the diet of many bird species, are themselves declining and disappearing. Anybody remember how you used to drive through the countryside and your windshield would get all spattered by bugs? Ever notice how that doesn't really happen so much the way it used to? Well, the problem is occurring in many other places, too, apparently. Places like Germany, for example, where a new study reported this month in Science magazine says that in just the past 30 years, insect populations in German nature reserves have plummeted by more than 75%. The research indicates that the pattern extends all through the western and northern parts of the country. Why is it happening? 
Well, the scientists think that intensive agriculture surrounding the nature reserves has probably played a part, although they don't have data as yet on factors like pesticide use in neighboring fields. And they say that the decline is probably having wide-ranging effects on plants and other animals, such as insect-eating birds. And up in the boreal forests of Canada, a major nesting area for hundreds of bird species, many of which we enjoy seeing in the winter and in spring and fall migration here in the lower 48 and in southern Canada. It's mining that's providing a major threat. Dr. Jeff Wells and colleagues at the Boreal Songbird Initiative, based in Seattle, Washington, point out that mining and exploration companies have sized up the important North French River region, just south of James Bay in Ontario, and want access to the minerals below its surface. The region is within traditional territory of the Moose Cree First Nation, which has declared the area off-limits to industrial development. They, along with the Boreal Songbird Initiative, have called on the Ontario government to declare the area permanently protected. Stay tuned. So what can we as individuals do to help counteract threats like these? Certainly one good thing would be to join up with and support some good conservation organizations like the Boreal Songbird Initiative, the Nature Conservancy, the Sierra Club, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, and the American Bird Conservancy are a few others among many that are deserving of support. You can also drink that coffee from our friends at Birds and Beans, bird-friendly, shade-grown coffee. It really does make a difference as well. And as for what you can do right in your neighborhood, well, the National Wildlife Federation has an idea for everybody who has a backyard We talked not long ago about invasive plants and how they can cause trouble by crowding out native plants, by growing out of control, and by creating a biodiversity-wrecking monoculture. Looking at you, purple loosestrife, and Japanese honeysuckle and Norway maple and English ivy, that one's a tree killer, and of course kudzu, one of the few plants to ever get its own comic strip. But are invasive problems or invasive plants really a problem for birds? Well, yeah. Invasives such as multiflora rose, for example, produce fruit of lower nutritional value to our birds than do native shrubs like blackberry, blueberry, and dogwoods. Invasive plants are also likely to be unpalatable and even toxic to our native insects. As we learned just a few moments ago, things that are bad for bugs are bad for birds. As University of Delaware entomologist Doug Tallamy put it, when it comes to putting invasive plants in your yard, you might as well put up a statue. So that National Wildlife Federation idea involves helping you turn your backyard into what they call a certified wildlife habitat. Their Garden for Wildlife site offers some nice info about this with all kinds of tips on how and where to plant the best stuff for birds. 20 bucks to sign up. It's pretty cool. And how envious of the idea are those of us who live in the city? You'll find a link to the info right now on our Talking Birds Facebook page. By the way, our friend Ken Lavish down at the Patuxent National Wildlife Refuge in Maryland commented on our Facebook post saying, Our yard has been certified for 10 years. It is amazing 
how many critters have visited. Thank you, Ken. Nice endorsement there for that certified wildlife habitat idea from the National Wildlife Federation. Now back to Canada, Alberta to be specific, to hear about opportunities in Illinois for young birders. Plus more good news about seeing crossbills at your feeders this winter in much of the U.S. and Canada. And how bird feeding in Britain is apparently creating rapid evolutionary changes in backyard birds. Very interesting stuff in the latest installment here of Charlotte's Weblog with our own Charlotte Wesselick. Charlotte. Good morning, Ray. Young birders are invited to join the Illinois Young Birders Club for their last field trip of the year on November 4th for birding along the Chicago Lakefront beginning at Montrose Point. Register for the walk by visiting illinoisyoungbirders.org slash trips.html. This winter is shaping up to be a great year for finches, especially for crossbills throughout much of Canada and the United States, according to the 2017-2018 winter finch forecast. Matt Young and Tim Spar have written an authoritative piece on eBird to help give some insight on the multitude of flight calls, identification techniques, and an in-depth look at understanding the complex ecological species structure of the red crossbill. You can find the article on eBird.org under the News and Features section. A new study has found that great tits in the United Kingdom have rapidly evolved to have longer bills in just a decade. The longer bills makes accessing food provided at feeders much easier, which in turn leads to overall better condition, allowing the breeding adult birds to successfully fledge more young over time. The full paper is published in the October 20th issue of Science on page 365. That's all for this week, Ray. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Charlotte. We'll look for you online on your blog there at prairiebirder.com. By the way, Matt Young, whom Charlotte just mentioned in her report, was our guest here on Talking Birds just a couple of weeks ago teaching us about those remarkable red crossbills. You can easily find a link to that interview and that show on our TalkingBirds.com website. Well, here comes another of those shameless plugs. First for Talking Birds listeners in the Boston area, and then for listeners in New Hampshire, and then for users of Internet-connected devices anywhere on the planet. Here it is, an episode of New Hampshire Public Television's Windows to the Wild program, with yours truly joining host Willem Lang and Boston area birders, Linda Ferraresso, Barbara Volkel, and Steve Moore, will air this evening at 6 on Boston's WGBH Channel 2. If you're listening live this morning, that's this evening, October 22nd, 6 p.m., Channel 2 in Boston. The program will also air on New Hampshire Public Television's Explore Channel this evening at 5.30 and on their Prime Channel at 6 p.m. today. In case you missed all of that, you can also find the program on New Hampshire Public Television's website. That would be nhptv.org and also on New Hampshire Public Television's Facebook page. What the heck is that? That is our mystery bird, and this is a preview of our mystery bird contest. 
which we'll be conducting in just a few minutes. We have a beautiful feeder from Droll Yankees as our prize on our mystery bird contest. A couple of clues here. Our mystery bird is a medium-sized diver found on lakes and ponds where it feeds on plants mostly. It has a rounded head, red in the male, a blue bill with a black tip, a gray back, and a black chest and rear end. Our bird breeds in the northwestern U.S. and up into Canada and winters in most of the rest of the U.S. So that's our mystery bird preview. I invite you to get ready to call when we give the signal a little bit later. We'll even give the phone number just ahead of time here in case you want to jot it down. 781-837-4900. Here's our conservation salute of the week. It goes to Michigan Democratic Senator Debbie Stabenow for introducing a bipartisan conservation bill that would use federal dollars to leverage private investment in conservation projects. The bill is co-sponsored by Republican Senator Joni Ernst from Iowa. The senators say that the bill would eliminate burdensome program requirements and streamline contracts, cutting red tape, and providing more flexibility for farmers implementing conservation practices. The bill would also target resources to expand conservation work and strengthen the focus on improved water quality, drought resilience, and wildlife habitat. Well, our ambassador's program continues cruising along here, we're very happy to say, and most uh, grateful to folks all over who are joining our ambassador's program and handing out some of our cards to their friends and associates. And our newest ambassadors include Michael Lynn Huber from Isanti, Minnesota. Up there just north of Minneapolis. Thank you so much, Michael Lynn, for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. And thank you, Missy Adams from Fresno, California, who says she really enjoys the program and has learned a lot by listening and says she's looking forward to spreading the word. Well, thank you, Missy. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll take a cue from Michael Lynn and Missy and join our ambassadors program. We'll send you some little cards to hand out to your friends to spread the word about talking birds and about birds and conservation. We just got an email, by the way, this morning from our friend Vincent down in East Windsor, New Jersey. He says, Dear Ray, please send me more of your business cards to hand out. I gave out my last one to Richard Crossley at a birding show in Cape May yesterday. Signed, your ambassador in New Jersey. That's our friend Vincent. I'm not sure if Vincent wants us to use his last name, so we'll just say Vincent for the moment. But thank you, Vincent. Richard Crossley, by the way, a great author of the famous Crossley ID Guide series. Uh, And a a one-time guest on our show. We should get uh, him back on again here. By the way, among the few states in which we're still looking for a first Talking Birds ambassador is... Delaware. That's right. Beautiful Delaware, the only state in the entire northeast quadrant of the U.S. in which a Talking Birds ambassador does not yet reside. So if you're in Delaware, please consider joining our ambassadors program and let us salute you on an upcoming Talking Birds broadcast. It's easy to do and easy to sign up for. Just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. That's the Become an Ambassador option via the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. No G in talking. 
Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment. And today we'll tackle the age-old question. Is it okay to feed bread to birds? And up next, the bird that made old Sam Peabody famous. It's today's featured feathered friend presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. The Cornell Lab of Ornithology's All About Birds website describes today's featured feathered friend as a hopping, flying anatomy lesson. With its black eye stripe, white crown and eyebrow, yellow lores, the part between the eye and the base of the bill, and a white throat bordered on top by a black whisker. It's the white-throated sparrow, a bird whose song is unmistakable. Down here in the lower 48, we remember the song as Old Sam Peabody, while folks north of the border describe it as Oh Sweet Canada. Our Canadian friends may have a greater claim to the mnemonic since the bird breeds mostly across Canada, although on the other hand, it's found over most of eastern and southern North America and California all year round. By the way, if you see a white-throated sparrow with a tan crown instead of white, don't panic. That's just a genetic variation that persists, say the experts, because individuals always mate with a bird of the opposite form, with males of both types preferring females with white stripes, while both types of females prefer the tan-striped males. White-striped birds are more aggressive than the tan-striped ones, and it's thought that white-striped females may be able to out-compete their tan-striped sisters for tan-striped males. And if you see one that looks grayish with dull markings and white outer tail feathers, well, that's probably a hybrid produced when a white-throated sparrow mates with a dark-eyed junco. Yeah, it happens. Zonotrichia albicollis, the white-throated sparrow, Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Thanks again for being with us here. It's our show number 647. As always, we invite you to visit our website. That's TalkingBirds.com. And we hope you'll also uh, check us out there on Facebook and Twitter at Talking Birds. And up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Now a word from our friends at Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Want some tips on backyard birding? Birdwatching Magazine has published a handy booklet that's yours to download for free. The 16-page guide includes practical field-tested answers to your most important questions about the birds in your backyard, from food to birdhouses, from those cute hummingbirds to those troublemaking birds. Go to birdwatchingdaily.com to get your backyard Q&A booklet. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year illegally. Poaching is a major threat to our country's wildlife. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor with a desire to preserve living space for wildlife. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust does just that. Works with private landowners to protect wildlife, to preserve natural habitats. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. 
Talking Birds is made possible in part by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, a world leader in the study, appreciation, and conservation of birds. Please check them out at birds.cornell.edu. If you're not hearing our Sunday morning show live, just a reminder, you can do so easily. Go to TalkingBirds.com, see how to do it, listen live with an Internet-connected device any place on the planet. You can also search for Talking Birds in iTunes or Google Play for podcasts. On to our mystery bird contest. Here is the sound of our mystery bird. It's a medium-sized diver found on lakes and ponds where it feeds on plants mostly. It has a rounded head that's red in the male, a blue bill with a black tip, a gray back, and a black chest and rear end. Our bird breeds in the northwestern U.S. and up into Canada and winters in most of the rest of the U.S. Tell us what it is and win that beautiful prize that I haven't described yet. It's the Droll Yankees double suet feeder. That's the big one. Two big suet cakes can fit in there or loose suet or fruit or just about anywhere, you know, anything you want to put in there because it'll be your feeder. It has an easy load front opening design and heavy gauge wire that holds up for years of use. From Droll Yankees, makers of the world's best bird feeders. So that would be our prize and that number again is 781-837-4900. That would be 781-837-4900. Well, Mike O'Connor knows a little something about feeding birds and bird feeders. And he's going to answer a question about feeding bread to birds. Good idea or not? Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Mary Langdon, and I'm calling from Anchorage, Alaska. We took this cool trip to Unalaska and got to see some exotic birds, and at the end, ended up seeing a cuckoo that was identified by experts. And we ended up giving a card to a great birding guide there. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, talkingbirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at talkingbirds.com. It's the music for Mike. He's down there at the famous Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. And we think he's on the phone with us right now. Let's find out if that's a true statement. Good morning, Mike. You just never know, do you? You just never know when you pick up that phone. But, yep, I'm here. All right. Good to know. Thanks for, be- <laughs> Thanks for being there. The no, I'm just, I was just, you know, anticipating <laughs> oh, whether... Are you relieved? I'm relieved, wondering, yeah. you know, for sure you'd be there. And I, yeah. I, I knew you would, but, you know... You never know. We got a note here, uh, Mike. It says, "Good morning, Ray. My daughter says it is not good to throw out old bread for the birds. I have been doing this all my life. Is it harmful to birds? I'm counting on your expertise to settle and answer this question. Thank you. Love the show." Says Darlene from Ocean Bluff, Massachusetts. Now I should point out, Mikey, though, even though she sort of addressed that to me in the subject line, was question for Mike. 
So, oh, okay. Uh, she knows. I, I get, I get yeah. a little bit of the attention. Yeah, you get the whole so thing. So this is from Darlene. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you hate when your kids are smarter than you are, Darlene? <laughs> yeah, your daughter mm. is absolutely right. Yeah. Right is not the the best thing for birth. And the, the two, two problems. First of all, it's, you know, white bread is no good. It basically doesn't have any nutrition. I think we've known that for a long time. But when we make a sandwich, it's not so bad because we put other ingredients in there. So it's basically it's just a way to deliver the sandwich. But when you're feeding it to birds, that's kind of all they get. Now, if you put it out, it's not poison. You can put it out occasionally. You put a few scraps of bread and the birds will eat it. But then they fly around and they augment it, that awful bread with um, other things. Mm you know, that they find naturally or even food from your bird feeder. The biggest problem is when people take it down to the to a pond, usually a city park, and they start feeding it to the ducks. And that's more of a problem because now these birds, especially the young birds, the baby birds, they, if, if a mother mallard comes by with a whole family of ducklings and you're feeding it bread, 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 they fill up on the bread, and then, then, then they really don't have opportunities to augment their diet like a songbird would fly around the neighborhood. These guys are, can't fly yet, so they're kind of trapped in this little ecosystem of the pond. That's why when you get to a pond, uh, a city park it says, don't feed the animals. We all think they're being mean, but they're actually trying to help the birds because they they actually get uh, deformed by not eating, having a proper diet, and then they end up can't flying. What, they, what do they call it, right? Yeah, angel, angel wing, wing or something wing, like that. It, yeah, because the wings kind of curve up kind of looking like an angel, but it's not good, uh, you know, it's, it may look angelic, but as you say, they can't fly. Right. So it's okay for an angel, but it's not so good for the birds, exactly. and so they become deformed, and that's a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. So if if you want to put out occasional bread for your backyard birds, that's okay as long as there's are other options. If you want to feed the ducks at a pond, and um, cracked corn is fine, dried peas are a good mm-hmm. alternative, or even lettuce or kale. Kale that, that all of a sudden all the humans are all eating. It's also good for birds to eat that. But I, I would definitely stay away from bread, at least in, you know, in a, in a big time way. Occasional scraps are fine, but not a lot. Yeah, that kale thing is uh, is a is a thing that you can get. You can feed them kale. But I read a thing here. It says not even swans want anything to do with watercress. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> can go with all those things, but not, yeah, not water. Well, you know, swans are a little snooty, aren't they? <laughs> a little bit. Thank you, Mike. Okay, we'll talk to you next week. All right, Mike O'Connor down there at the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. And we're back here now at the uh, Mystery Bird Contest. Yep, that's our Mystery Bird. A medium-sized diver found on lakes and ponds where it feeds on plants mostly. It has a rounded head... Red in the male, a blue bill with a black tip, gray back, black chest and rear end. Breeds up in northwestern uh, U.S., up into Canada, winters in most of the rest of the U.S. What is it? Tell us. And win that beautiful Droll Yankees double suet feeder. Even if you don't get the right answer, you could still win because no correct answer means. That's right. A drawing will determine our winner. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. And we have Charlotte, not our Charlotte from Alberta, Canada, but Charlotte somewhere down in, well, my home state of Rhode Island. Good morning, Charlotte. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, Charlotte. Whereabouts in Rhode Island? Bristol. Oh, beautiful Bristol. Beautiful Bristol. That is one beautiful town and home of that very famous Fourth of July parade, right? Oh, my goodness, yes. Ooh, we have to wait a while for that, but 
Nice to know that it will come around again. Hey, I'm on the committee, so we're oh. already working on it. Oh, okay. All right. There well, you go. All right. Well, good luck with that. That's an Thanks. amazing, one of the greatest parades in the country, I think. Oh, well, yeah, anyway, the greatest. Uh, one, uh, the greatest. Sorry about that. On to, <laughs> <laughs> on to our mystery bird. Uh, Charlotte, what do you, uh, what do you well, think it is? Well, I don't know. I'm going to say Eurasian Widgeon. A Eurasian Widgeon. Uh, close, but no uh, no cigar. That's what I... Uh, and, uh, okay. There'll be no float for the Eurasian Widgeon in the Bristol Parade. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, there's, a, there's the official word. Thank you so much for calling, Charlotte. Okay. All right. Oh, hang Char- on. Charlotte down there in Bristol, Rhode Island. Yeah, hang on, because if we don't get a right answer, you could still win. Let's go quickly to Jeff in Mason, Texas. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, good morning, Ray. Good morning. I'm so sorry we're very short of time, but what do you think the bird is? It's a redhead. It's a redhead. Yes, indeed. Absolutely right. Jeff, uh, thank you for calling. Stay on the line. We'll get your address and send you that droll Yankees feeder. I'll do it, Ray. Hey, I love your voice. You're doing a great job. Thanks. Thank you so much, Jeff. We're out of time. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to Mark Duffield, Debbie Bleacher. Our engineer is Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. The Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Or Lean's Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans, shade-grown, bird-friendly coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani, visiting a national park, let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.